Father, thank you for the opportunity to come together in unity for your glory. Thank you for us a path to follow and that through everything you are unchanging. Help us to hear from you today in the words I'm about to say. And I pray that my words are able to reveal to people something of who you are and that it helps draw people closer to you. Amen. But have people still got have people still got their amen signs? Um, feel free to use them if you if you if I say something you agree with. Um, I say amen, by the way, not amen. Anyway. So, by the way, uh, isn't this internet thing, which is a great thing to have when we're social distancing? Like, I'm really glad we have this 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 everyday tool we can use to glorify God, glorify God on a Sunday morning. Uh, people sometimes say the internet is a bad thing, bad for society overall. Um, I mean, they're probably not saying that so much now. See, I believe that if you go around thinking that way, uh, if that's the story you believe in, it will, you'll start just seeing all the bad things about it and that will change how you act. Um, but I believe the internet is good and great and so it changes the way I use it, changes the way I see it. I used it to do the research I needed to do for this preach because, uh, you know, uh, the internet gives us instant access to such a rich library of material. With the internet, you can get hold of the greatest sources of theological commentary and take a really deep dive into the hermeneutics and semiotics involved in scriptural interpretation. So with all the time I've had to prepare for this preach and with the ability to access all of the data at the click of a button, I decided to go right to the best source I could think of for deep insight to the implications of these passages of scripture and the historical and cultural impact of the Exodus as a whole episode and more specifically the experience of Moses and the people of Israel and their relationship with God. Um, yeah, so I went to YouTube and looked up some clips from this movie, The Prince of <laughs> Egypt. Uh, it's a DreamWorks picture from 1998. They've actually recently adapted it into a stage show on the West End, obviously on hold for now. Um, and so I'm going to be looking at Exodus chapter 19 today. So if you have a Bible on you and you want to follow along, um, you can do that there. Or if you just search Exodus 19 into the internet on your phone or whatever, um, or you can just read it off my slide. Uh, but I'm going to skip over a few like nasty bits where it talks about death and sex and punishment. Read them in your own time. It, it's not relevant to this preach, though. Um, Exodus 19 goes like this. On the first day of the third month after the Israelites left Egypt, on that very day, they came to the desert of Sinai. After they set out from Rephidim, they entered the desert of Sinai and Israel camped there in the desert in front of the mountain. So it's been three months now since the Jews famously escaped Egypt, crossing the Red Sea, and they've been wandering the desert, and now they're in some place called Sinai. It's a desert, meaning a wild, unformed and empty place that isn't near any cities and roads, and they're next to this mountain, Mount Sinai. It's sometimes called Mount Horeb in the book of Exodus, um, but it's in the middle of nowhere. And by the way, nobody really knows for sure where this historical place is. Um, there's lots of debate 
about where Sinai is exactly, but it's actually irrelevant to the story. And the story is the important thing here. It could be here, it could be there, it could be anywhere and everywhere. Then Moses went and the Lord called to him from the mountain and said, this is what you are to say to the descendants of Jacob and what you're to say to the, and what you are to tell the people of Israel. You yourselves have seen what I did in Egypt and how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, if you are fully and keep my covenant, then out of all the nations, you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words you are to speak to the Israelites. Here God tells Moses that this group of people that have just escaped slavery and have been wandering in the desert for three months, they will be picked out from all the people of the world to be representatives of God on earth. A kingdom where everyone is like a priest because they all worship God and bear his name. So Moses went back and summoned the elders of the people and set before them all the words the Lord had commanded him to speak. The people all responded together, we will do everything the Lord has said. So Mo Moses brought their answer back up to the Lord. He's going up and down the mountain as a lot, is old Moses. But it seems important that God's presence is at the top of a mountain. Okay, skip ahead to verse 20. The Lord descended the top of Mount Sinai and called Moses and called Moses to the top of the mountain. So Moses went up and the Lord said to him, go down and warn the people so that they do not force their way through to see the Lord and many of them perish. Even the priests who approach the Lord must consecrate themselves or the Lord will break out against them. Moses said to the Lord, the people cannot come up Mount Sinai because you yourself warned us, put limits around the mountain and set it apart as holy. The Lord replied, go down and bring Aaron up with you. But the priests and the people must not force their way through to come up to the Lord or he will break out against them. So Moses went down to the people and told them. And that's the end of chapter 19. But spoiler alert, spoiler alert. The next thing that happens in, ch in chapter 20 is Moses goes up the mountain with Aaron and God tells him the Ten, the Ten Commandments are the ten big rules that the people of Israel are meant to obey in order that they will glorify God and be a holy nation and a kingdom of priests. But the Ten Commandments are a whole preach that someone else is going to do next week. So you'll have to tune in next time for a breakdown of what the rules are exactly. But for today, just be aware that God is being very deliberate and serious here about keeping people away from his presence at the top of this holy mountain. If anyone other than the people God has called for specifically try and go up the mountain, unless they are pure and perfect and consecrated in every way, they will die, they will perish. And so Moses is the only one that God has granted the freedom to keep going up the mountain to join with him. And the people can't approach God because he hasn't told them the rules yet. So back to this movie, Prince of Egypt. I found a few clips of this movie on YouTube and the movie is supposed to be telling the story of the book of Exodus. 
Moses delivering the people of Israel from slavery in Egypt, God sending the 10 plagues over Egypt, but sparing the Israelites and then helping them to escape the Egyptian army by parting the waters of the Red Sea so they can walk on dry land while the Egyptian army and the Pharaoh are swept away by the waters. And then a bit after that, we get to this point in the story, chapter 19. And I was looking for a clip of this moment um, that we just read about um, from the movie, but it's not there. Um, what I did find was a clip of the last five minutes of the movie. Now, I'm not going to show it here because there's rules about broadcasting movies on the internet that you didn't make yourself. But basically, they cross the Red Sea. It's super dramatic. The waves crash. Moses only just makes it through. And then he looks up and the music swells and the sunlight shines over the crowds of people. Some woman, I think it might be his sister, hugs him and says, look, look at your people, Moses, they are free. And they start singing and dancing, literally playing tambourines that they had in their pockets, I guess. And there's, a, there's loads of triumphant music. In the distance, Pharaoh crawls out of the water on the other side and wails, Moses! And uh, then a dissolved transition to literally 10 seconds of Moses already at the top of the mountain with the Ten Commandments written on stone tablets. And then the music, deliver us, and then boom, end credits. The end, that's the end of the movie. And we're on chapter 19 of the book of Exodus, chapter 19 of 40. We're not even halfway through the story and they've just ended it there. And this is important, it's important because these stories that we believe in shape the way we act in our lives. And the reason this story in particular has been retold and revisited and adapted, and the reason we're still, still talking about it now is because this is one of those stories that people really believe in. It's not just ancient history that you learn to pass a test or something. It's a story to live by. Exodus isn't just Moses' story. It's your story my story, the way God told the Israelites to act 5,000 odd years ago, tells us a lot about how we're going to act in our lives today. So if we're gonna do that, we need to have the full story. Having half the story is doing us a real disservice. The movie, The Prince of Egypt, only tells us what it's like to escape slavery, to be set free. It forgets that half the book of Exodus is about what you're supposed to do after you have been granted that freedom. So I'm gonna tell you a bit of a story from my, from my own life, uh, from my own recent past. Um, until, until March this year, I was working as the fitness supervisor at the Grove Hotel. Most of you know the Grove is a five-star hotel here in Watford. Lots of movie stars go there. We recently had the NATO summit there and Donald Trump and Justin Trudeau and Angela Merkel and Boris Johnson and all the world leaders were there at the Grove. And so it's, pretty, it's a pretty prestigious, wealthy place. Uh, though, again, maybe not so much anymore. Anyway, there's a spa there. And within that spa, there's a gym with a team of personal trainers. And I was put in charge of that team. Now, I didn't actually really like that job. And because I didn't really like that situation I was in, I ended up making some poor decisions that I regret. I lied to keep people happy. I threw my weight about getting angry. 
I wasn't very good at the job really. And it was mostly because I was getting stressed with it. Not because it was especially difficult, but because I knew I was kind of trapped in that job. I ended up in a position I didn't want to be. I had a list of tasks that I wasn't really happy about. And I was only really doing it because of the safety of knowing where I was and the prestige. It looks good on my CV. But the job itself felt like a lot of work I didn't want to do. I never said I really wanted to do. But I couldn't really escape from it. So long story short, I found another place to work doing personal training in a different gym, but self-employed this time. So I wasn't going to be relying on the safety of a salary. I handed in my letter of resignation and escaped to freedom. But that's not the end of the story, of course. I'd like it to be. Um, but this is where the real story starts for me. Because as we all know, all the gyms are closed and so there's no job for me. Everyone who is still employed at the Grove is on furlough pay, but no furlough pay for me. Self-employed people are given an allowance based on a taxable income to date, but I've not made any taxable self-employed income to date, so no allowance for me. It's a bit bewildering, um, and I'm doing a lot of figuring things out as I go along. I'm wandering in the desert, and I've got a mountain to climb. So my story is like a low-level replay of that big dramatic story. But I have something the Israelites didn't have. I've got the I've got the Exodus story to show me what to do in these kinds of situations, to show me how these situations are going to play out. And this is what I mean when we say that we live these stories and believe and trust in what the Bible says. Being a follower of the Bible is not just about observing it from afar. I know it might seem like it right now, but church isn't just something you watch. Christianity isn't something you just know the stories and what to say to fit into our culture. Scripture isn't just something you read. And God isn't someone you just hear about from a preach. All of this is about the life we live. The things we worship inform how we will act, even in the small, low-level ways. And when you, when you worship the ultimate creator, when you worship the single source of goodness, the God of the Bible, Moses was told his name was Jehovah, Yahweh, the great I am, the one that just is, the eternal figure that doesn't come from anything else. Everything else comes from him. Everything that happens, happens because of his will. When you worship the ultimate perfect creation, when you actually live your life listening to what God says, and we think it's meant to be, the great I am says to Moses, follow me and I'll use you to show my greatness. The greatness I displayed when I brought down the 10 plagues on the power hungry, idol worshipping, self-serving Egyptians. And that's the message that Moses brings back to his people in the passage from verse four again. You yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt and how I carried you on eagles wings and brought you to myself. Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all the nations, you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, 
You will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words you are to speak to the Israelites. This is what it means to be a kingdom of priests. This is what it means to glorify God. Glorifying something just means showing it. When you follow the news, the news shows up in the way you act. When you follow some Instagram girl, that Instagram girl shows up in the way you act. And when you follow God, you glorify him through the way you live your life. That's why we say to God be the glory. It's not just about being humble. It's about deliberately turning our daily actions and our ultimate achievements towards the service of God and his will for creation so that you can see him through what you do. James, Jesus' brother, says it like this. Do not merely listen to the world and deceive yourselves. Do what it says. And Jesus himself says it like this on the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 7. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall, because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. When you find yourself in the middle of nowhere, wandering in the desert, and we're all kind of there right now, maybe you were feeling like the system we were in uh, was kind of oppressive. The boxes you were being put into were not the ones you really felt were right. Well, God has broken us free from those boxes well and truly. And Exodus is there to just what to do when the old system gets broken apart. The second half of Exodus is anyway, the part they don't include in the movie. And so there are two big ideas that I want to pull out of this. The first one is God's presence is at the top of a mountain. At the top of the mountain is where heaven and earth meet. This is the place we ask to be when we, when we pray on earth, heaven, in the presence of God. But a mountain implies a difficult and steep climb, a, a narrow path, as Jesus calls it. So don't expect things to suddenly be easy once you break out from the territory you know into unknown territory. And secondly, you can't move forward if you don't know what the rules are. I, I met with some people for church, sorry, for lunch after church uh, over video last week. And somebody said that they had never heard of the stories that Aaron went through from chapters 17 and 18 of Exodus last week. So if you're not sure what happens in chapters 17 and 18, go back over the last two sermons on the X1 YouTube. Um, but if you don't know where the story goes, if you don't know where the Bible is telling you to put your focus in these times, if you don't know the rules, you try and climb that mountain and you're going to perish. This is why it's so important and helpful to really know your Bible and all of the stories it contains. Because as Christians, we don't only believe in the Exodus story this very old story that comes from the Old Testament, the first section of the Bible. We also put our faith in another story, 
a relatively new story that comes from the New Testament, the second section of the Bible. We, we believe in a story of death and rebirth, the perfect story of death and rebirth, a true story of death and rebirth, the greatest and purest, highest level story of death and rebirth. We call this story, which means the good story. And we live our lives according to this new story. Because this story fills in and completes those Old Testament stories. Now, I'm not going to go and tell you the whole gospel story now. I don't have time. It involves Jesus. I'll let you read it in, all in the Bible yourself. But just understand this. When you take the Exodus story, the story of breaking away from your old life that wasn't getting you anywhere good and seeking a new path to follow and finding that it's up a huge mountain and you're not able to climb it or you'll die. When you combine that story with a story of perfect death and rebirth, if you attempt to climb up that mountain and try and fail to follow all of the rules, it might lead to death. But that death cannot stop you because you have inside you a story and an identity and a spirit of new life, renewal and resurrection from death through this, this story, the good story. Through this, like Moses, we have been granted freedom to get up the mountain. When we live our life according to that story, nothing can stand against us. So now, instead of being a personal trainer in a gym, I'm using the internet, this amazing tool to provide health and fitness training for people in the form of online courses and video calls. And it seems to be working out for me so far, but I'll be honest with you, I have no idea if I'm gonna make it a success in the long run. I don't know what success is ultimately going to look like. It's not, it's not even actually a good idea to try and create a defined image of what is ultimately unknowable and say, there it is, that's what I'm building my life on. It's better to just keep living it out, trusting that God is faithful in all circumstances, taking each day as it comes and, let, and just let my life glorify God. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you rescued your people from slavery. Thank you that you led them away from harm. Thank you that you sustained them in the desert. Thank you that you met with them and spoke to them through Moses. Thank you that you gave them guidance when you sent down your word. Help us to live our lives in obedience to your perfect will and to trust in you at all times so that we would be a kingdom of priests in a holy city where heaven and earth come together to glorify your name. Amen. Amen.